and welcome to None of Your Business Podcast, where we bring you inspiring storytelling from the heart. I'm your host, Robert Delude. Thank you for joining me today. Now let the show begin. Hey guys, real quick, just go over to YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel for None of Your Business. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. But most importantly, please go leave a rating and review either on YouTube or Apple or wherever you can. All right, guys. Thank you. I love you. Now, enjoy the episode. All right. Hello, Emily Goodrow. How are you? What's going on, Robert? I'm glad that uh, we we've been talking about this what for how long now? We've already been chatting. You guys missed out on my coffee fueled <laughs> <laughs> already. I'm like, wait, are we recording? No, no, we're not. No. So, Emily, um, I know a little bit about you. How about you tell you know the audience who are you and what do you do? Okay, so um, I'm gosh, I don't know on a on a show that's called what is it? None of your business. Yeah. Um, I guess I always talk about what I do business-wise, but um, I'm kind of most famous for being an anti-porn activist and um, a sexual abuse prevention educator. Um, And people like to know that I used to be a Playboy photographer, but I'm a mom, a female. I live in New Orleans. (laughs) Love it. Love it. How's the weather? Not happy to do with my business. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how did you get into the... uh anti-sex trafficking and you know it was it's kind of the straw that broke the camel's back like any i think anybody who explores like how did you end up here it's like a whole series of things i like we were talking about before i did a lot of documentary work and um i spent i've spent tons of time in thailand which we all know is a massive hub for sexual delinquency of all kinds and kind Mm -hmm. of personally witnessing uh, sex tourism going on there. And, you know, uh, that that was kind of my first inclination. I was younger then, you know, just kind of watching people going, Americans and Germans primarily, going to Thailand to have sex with young, underage kids, mm-hmm. male and female. Um, And then during that trip, I was in Cambodia and I met up with some folks there that were trying to rescue kids that were being trafficked and the complexity around it because prostitution is illegal. And if they brought it up legally to the government that this this child is being um, prostituted or trafficked, Mm -hmm. then the child goes into custody um, or is charged because they were participating in, per- in not pornography and um, prostitution. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, the, the child gets charged? Yes. Okay. Yes. So this is an interesting thing because a lot of people are like, you know, uh, I think what, what group was it? Not UNICEF. Um, I think it was Amnesty International was trying to make uh, sex work legal in different countries. And this is why. Because if it's not legal, then the people who are forced into it are, partic- are participating in an illegal activity and then will be charged and they can be sent to jail 
or prison or whatever. So it's this horrible loophole. Anyways, they were these people were creating fake identities and passports and essentially kidnapping these kids out of Cambodia because there was no other way. They were giving them full new identities and and get it like taking them out of Cambodia. Wow. Because there was no other way to rescue them. Okay. Okay. So they're and doing that, that was like, and the ages of the kids were, you know, as young as two years old that were being trafficked. And I was like, that was my first, that period of time was the first time I was like, oh my gosh, like eyes open to a lot of horrific stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So and then, what was like your mindset when you were like going, when you first witnessed the, the, that type of stuff? Well, I mean, I remember I was with a, a couple other people in Thailand and it was like, what are we going to do? We're watching this happen right in front of us. Like we, we're American citizens and we're watching other American citizens come over and victimize people mm-hmm. in Thailand. And, you know, a lot of it, honestly, during that time I was shooting with film. <laughs> so that was like, like to age myself a little bit, digital cameras were like just kind of coming mm-hmm. in, but I was like, we'll take pictures of these people. And let all of America know that this person is doing this vis- visiting Thailand to have sex with children and just so fucked up attempting to destroy them. That was my thought process. And then like how you, you know, it was just kind of like, what do we do? No solution, no real good solution to that. Now we might have a better chance of doing that with the internet and the way digital cameras are, we could probably uh, create a nice little web page of pictures of people. Yeah. That are so how do you think we can like prevent that? Like sex trafficking okay. is what a multi-billion dollar industry right now. Yeah. Um, there's, a, so there's, there's a couple of things like there, there's two, there's two ways in that I kind of compartmentalize it. Mm-hmm. We're talking about third world countries. That's a whole different deal like those kids are getting like literally being taken off the street um potentially brought being brought to america you know all that kind of stuff and then there's you know what um you know middle class americans are worrying about their kids being taken off the street and traffic they're two separate issues um just because we're in america let's talk about that what needs to happen in America is a lot of kids end up being LGBTQ and kicked out of their homes or not feeling accepted. So they're runaways. So they're living on the street and they have no resources. And mm-hmm. that is when they become trafficked. Mm-hmm. So if people want to keep their kids away from sex traffickers, make your home safer than the street. <laughs> First mm-hmm. off, it sounds like a really obvious thing, but your kid goes onto the street and all bets are off. Yeah. Um, Especially so as a runaway, thing. like a runaway oh, yeah. gets reported if they get a job and they get arrested. So the only solution that they think they have is. Well, yeah, and it's this. a slow and in America, it's a little bit different process because as opposed to just kidnapping somebody and physically forcing them to do things and they have no hope in America, it's a lot more uh, psychological trapping. And one of the larger problems is when people are rescued from sex trafficking is it's hard to keep them from going back because they've been so brainwashed and that's their community. That's their family. That's their boyfriend. Um, whatever that's how they've, they've created this 
the situation has been created to psychologically capture the person. Yeah. Yeah. What is it like Sherlock syndrome when you fall in love with your uh, oh, capture? Uh, ooh, it's something like that. It's not Sherlock. It's no, not Munchausen. That's like where you have a sick kid. Um, yes, it's something. It's that syndrome. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's something between Sherlock and it might be Sherlock. I don't know. Where's our uh, fancy assistance to Google stuff? For us? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no we kidding. need some Joe Rogan quality like assistance flowing fast right. to us. Now whoever's listening is like they're gonna be saying probably yelling yes at themselves in their car. No, it's this. Yeah. But yeah, that syndrome that makes uh where they have compassion and and it's also they have compassion before. They really do think that they're in a loving situation and being taken care of and um they're they're part of this bigger situation. And there's also blackmail. That's the other thing too. As far as like keeping your kids safe from something like that in the United States, you need to teach kids about blackmail. You need to teach them not to send nude pictures. It doesn't matter how much you think you know somebody, you do not send nude photos. No kidding, right? Yeah. I mean, there's there was a story not too long ago about this boy who was a wrestler and... Um, he sent a picture they were like, okay, though, we're going to tell everyone that you're gay and blah, 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 blah. And I, I don't know who he thought he was sending it to. It could very well have been like, oh, I'm an, I'm a girl or, you know, completely yeah. opposite of what he, he thought. And uh, he ended up committing suicide. No way. But they do that because they're like, send more images. And if you don't, we're going to tell everybody, we're going to show all the images that you have sent. If you don't keep sending us, or if you don't come and meet and have, like that's another form of trafficking. Yeah, just brainwash them and then the kid felt like he had no other option. Yeah, and the images could and would be exposed to other people. That's, oh my, people are so fucked up. So bad, it's so evil and um, yeah, there's, yeah. So like, I don't have any kids, but like if I was a parent and if a parent's like watching this right now, and I know you already said, like, just make the, the home more accepting and, like, whatever. But what kind of parent, what are, like, some three things that a parent can do to, like, prevent this from happening? Okay. Well, there's, I mean, we've got, a, like, it's, 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 like, this cluster of issues. We have pornography, and then we have sexual abuse, and then, then we have sex trafficking. So the mm -hmm. sex trafficking... Um, is you've got to monitor what's going on online. You have to, and it stinks because I know people are like, I want to, um, it's just such an invasion of privacy. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's some, um, different technologies like bark is really good. Like you don't have to go through every single thing. It'll be like your child's got suicidal ideations going on. So it picks up words and little things and sends a notification to you that it's time to check your kid's phone. Mm. So you don't have to go through all of the details, but you have to monitor it. It's, I mean, the internet is giving access, the whole flipping world access to your child's mind. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're, you're like at this massive convention in Dubai, and the whole world, like all these people from all over the world are there. And you've got your, your teenage kid is going in to do whatever. You actually don't know. You don't know why those people are there. You're just like, hey, yeah, go, go mingle with the whole world. Right. 
Would you not like check in with them? That would, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, you like absolutely. check in. You know, like who you... are you talking to? Who is that dude? Like, actually, I don't. Yeah, why is this like grown man um, saying he's younger? And you know, like you don't know who these people are. Like, maybe you should not be in this room. You would totally physically check. Yeah, absolutely. You would like, yeah. any, like, like when you explain it like that, like that makes sense. Like, you would. yeah. Um, yeah. So you have to monitor your stuff. You need to teach your kids about stalking, luring, mimicking, and blackmail. Those are used by sexual predators and predators of all kinds. Um, and teach them body safety rules from the get-go, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of updated, you know, so if anything does happen, they immediately tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we were talking Alicia about Alicia Silverstone earlier. She takes, you know, she was bragging about taking baths with her 10 year old son. And, you know, I got so many haters. Um, it was my first like massive trolling on me. Cause I spoke out and like, this is sexual abuse. You know, if this had been a man in a tub with his 10 year old daughter and you know, I got a lot, well, we take baths together, blah, blah. And I was like, well, maybe you shouldn't. Yeah, no, <laughs> like. I'm not going to normalize it just because you do it. doesn't make it normal. It's not normal. Right. You need out. to have boundaries with your kid. Like, Yeah. And you also need your kid to be like, Hey, uh, the coach one was in the shower, wanted to be in the shower with me. You need to know, they need to know that this isn't like normal behavior. That right? This is a, this is a, a red flag. If you're like, no, it, they're like, oh yeah, my parents have been doing this with me. Um, it's just normal. Like, it's so, there's so many things. And also it's like, as, as adults and like having uh, personal time for yourself. Mm-hmm. And if that, that's like, that's quiet private time. We don't live in some like weird utopia where we don't get sick of our kids and we don't want private time. Do you really want kids in your tub anyways? Those, right. Those are, <laughs> Like, this thing right? is dirty. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. It's like, that's why I say that. Yeah. Like, have a bubble bath and champagne on your own. Yeah. Your child, like, does not need to be taking bubble baths with you. No, not at all. But yeah, they're setting clear boundaries. Like, we don't, we don't show our private parts to people. They don't show their private parts to me. That We don't touch and vice versa. People don't take pictures of private parts, my private parts. They don't show me pictures of private parts. I don't show people pictures of private parts, meaning if you get a nude on your phone, you don't share your share it with your friends. Mm-hmm. You don't send nudes of underage people to other underage people because that's illegal. And it's so easy to do if you have a smartphone, which don't give your kid a smartphone unless you're ready to like sit down and watch and explain why anal might not be the first move on the first go you know like (laughs) there's so much on there that like if you're not willing to straight up have those conversations then yeah so how do you start having those conversations like um nobody wants to talk about that stuff but it needs to be talked about right even though i talk about it all the time yeah <laughs> not necessarily with my kid but um yeah i always joke my husband's like please don't ask our dinner guests if they watch porn <laughs> <laughs> um but Do it started well i've had you know if i've had enough to drink like I'll, <laughs> I, yeah for sure <laughs> um yeah no like no no conversations um 
like off with me. So anyways, uh, talking about it with your kids, the first thing is you need to be talking using anatomically correct words from day one. And I say, I say that, I mean, like when you're changing a baby's diaper, like using, um, vulva, not vagina, cause it's a vulva, penis, rectum, scrotum, anus, whatever, all of it, nipples, like those words need to be part of a regular vernacular, just like nose, toes, ears, lip, eyebrows, like all, all it's just body. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, like when I say those words, like it's like, ah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's funky because we weren't raised, I don't know if Absolutely. you were raised like that. Yeah, it's, it's funky. Yeah. So you have to start when they're babies because you got to get over it. So you don't pass on kids pick up shame so quick. Yeah, and, like a sponge. Yeah, and if you are hesitant or you feel funky about it, just dive into that and be like, why can I not say this? Some people literally cannot say it. They're like, I can't do it. It's not coming out of my mouth. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. So dive into that and be like, okay, where's your shame coming from indirectly? You know, parents don't want to shame their kids, but you pass it on. So just kind of figure out from day one, use anatomically correct words and use it. And that's one of the best things you can do is for a kid to come up and say, somebody so-and-so touched my penis. Mm-hmm. It's not so-and-so um, was touching me. Yeah. You know, I, this is a great story is when I first started doing this with my daughter or not when I first started doing it. I mean, I started her this way, but the first time I saw it and I was like, whoa, this is actually really powerful. And it was kind of funny because she's at grandma's house and grandma's like, she's like on the couch and her pants are hanging off her butt and her cracks hanging out. And my, my mom just kind of like kids, saggy butt stuff. And my mom grabbed her pants and like pulled, just jokingly kind of pulled on her pants and my daughter turned around. She was, I mean, maybe, maybe four, maybe three. Um, and she said, take your finger out of my rectum. And the whole, I mean, everyone was like, whoa, instantly that it was shocking to all yeah. of us. You know, yeah. it was so powerful to have a kid like, don't do this and be able to use it. An anatomy, even though my mom, you know, wasn't, she was just kind of like tugging on the, yeah. on her pants. Um, I was like, this works. It shocked me, even though I, you know, I had taught her those words. Right. But, um, that's okay. I like, yeah, it's this powerful it's, moment for you. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, this works for sure. Shocked everybody. And especially when she yelled vagina just for the sake of it at the, um, Thanksgiving dinner with my, great grandma there that was pretty awesome <laughs> just yeah. just to test it out during thanksgiving yes <laughs> okay so why do you think like you know it's not intuitive to protect kids about sexual abuse it's this is this is the number one thing that parents struggle with is they everyone thinks that they're really good at de- um, detecting lies and even people who are pros that are in, um, you know, say investigators or in the FBI or anybody like that who does any interrogation, who have been trained to detect people telling lies will only get 60% correct. That's like, that's like just a little bit better than flipping a coin. No kidding. Right? Yeah. It's not good. And they do it professionally. So 
adults think parents think like, oh, I would know if somebody was, you know, a creeper or whatever. Um, and they're relying on their vast, like chasm of inexperience versus a sexual predator who has been deceiving and lying and manipulating and studying how to do this potentially since he was a preteen, she was a preteen, right. you know? Yeah. So like, you can't rely on your own instincts to pick up whether somebody's a good person or not. And not like, oh, they're really nice. Well, nice is a behavior. It's not, it's, it's a choice. It's not a definition of character. Right. And you can fake being nice all you want. Yes, exactly. And um, sexual predators c can groom a family for years, yeah. years and years, like potentially 10 years before they make, they find an opportunity. So it's like, oh, we've known him forever. Or, or I've known him. I was a kid around him. He never did anything. She never did anything to me. That doesn't mean anything. Mm. It doesn't mean anything. Um, and the other thing too, is we, we are not predators. You have no idea what's going on through the mind of somebody who wants to sexually abuse a child. Right. It is complete. It is like, you can't think like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, absolutely. Like, unless you are, uh, and then are. you're like, oh yeah, I've been on like the forums and I've been teaching myself how to do this. And, you know, I know other people who do it and it's, so what you have, go ahead. Like, what are, I know, like, if I was a parent, like, what are some red flags? Like, I need to be looking out for when inviting um, this new person in my home or a friend or whatever for yeah, grooming so, behavior. Okay, so the number one thing I look for is somebody who is spending a lot of time with kids. So not only are they a coach, they're spending their free time. Not only are they a teacher, they're having kids over on their days off. And most teachers will tell you, like, I, like once I'm done with work, I am done. You know, I do, like, I'm, these kids are not coming over, like, oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, that's a normal educator behavior. Um, and somebody who is not in any kind of a romantic relationship with any, any gender. Mm-hmm is a red flag. So you've got somebody who's positioned themselves to continuously have a career and be around kids. And you're like, Oh, what a nice person. And you know, they're going the extra mile and they're, they're having the kids over extra and you're like, Oh, they're like really committed. And, and they have no romantic interest in anyone. And they don't really have a lot of adult friends either. Mm. Okay. Um, also, uh, there's, something to be super aware of is single moms are targeted, really? targeted specifically because they need help. And they're like, I want a father figure for my kids and I need help. And somebody kind of shows up and is overly helpful. And, um, it's actually just a ruse to get to the kids oh. a, a lot. Okay. Their target, their prime targets, because they're overworked. They don't, they don't have time, you know, to spend watching the whole soccer game. They don't have time to like stay after. They kind of drop the kids and run, and they gotta mm -hmm. go to work and do life. Yeah. And just run through the motions and don't have time to check in. Right. Mm. 
yeah, so that's, those are red flags. And then anybody that's telling your kid, um, you know, this is our special secret. I'm your secret friend. We've got, you know, it, any kind of secrecy going on, abnormal gifts for weird reasons, just like, yeah, your son was asking that he wanted this or your daughter was asking they wanted this. And like, why are you giving me like- That's weird. Ex- ex- yeah, excessive gifts. And it's hard because it's like this person's being kind. And that's part of the game. That's part of the game that they're playing is they're playing on your conscious. Like you don't want to make somebody feel bad for being nice. Right. Yeah. Mm. So there's, there's, um, so are there like like websites that people can go to, to like, you know, maybe they see some warning signs in in a person, like, and they want to go to a website and look at like, like, and do some research. Where can people go? So if they're looking at, like, you mean on the history of that person or just like signs, kind of just like signs, been talking. It, signs, um, you know, on my website, there's some stuff. There's also um, like local child advocacy. Um, there's if just look up sexual abuse prevention, mm-hmm. um, you know, any gr- signs of grooming, look up anything like that and you'll, you'll kind of find it. But yeah. the biggest thing is if you are looking, you know, yeah, you know, it's, so you're, you're, you've seen, you've seen enough, you know, also, you know, if, so say, let's go into that situation. Say you suspect something's going on. Yeah piano teacher, whatever. And even if you don't suspect, you don't have to suspect to do these things. You don't have to suspect because again, we are not very good at picking out liars. We're not experienced in hunting sexual predators. We don't, we have no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, Just randomly show up uninvited. Mm. Be erratic with the time that you're picking up and dropping off your kids and go, you know, if they, you don't really, your kids shouldn't have to go into a house to do piano lessons. Be unpredictable about your behavior. Yes. And just, just be a little bit nosy and um, just show that you are watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, in what I do is I let people know that I teach sexual abuse prevention. And when I, when I drop my daughter off before she goes anywhere, I said, remember our body safety rules. And, um, and I say, what, what would you do if somebody did this or that? And we kind of make it kind of funny. And when I drop her off, I say, just so you know, um, I teach sexual abuse prevention. So she's super literate in, um, and precocious in her words. So if she, you know, if she, you know, says anatomically correct words or anything like that, like, don't be shocked. It's a norm in my house. It's a norm in our house and because um, we talk about it. So it just sends out, I call it a warning signal. Mm-hmm. Like this kid will talk. Yeah. So it's, you know, and it's like, you know, we were talking about how predators work. It's, it's all predators, human, animal will look for the weakest link. Mm-hmm. They're not looking for a big challenge. They're looking yeah. for the kid who's not going to tell Um, they're looking for the kid whose parents not really paying attention. So all you have to do is go, this isn't the weakest link. You know, Mm -hmm. and I I know a lot of people in it security say this is you don't have to be perfectly secure. You just have to be more secure than the next guy. 
Mm. And this is a, this is a sad, sad truth, but that's how you keep your kids safe is you just make them more secure than the next kid. And it's a horrible thing. And until the world changes, just my kid knows the words and my kid knows that we listen and we talk about they're woke. So what happens if, you know, your kid comes home and says, Hey, the piano teacher did X, Y, and Z. Like as a parent, what can a parent do? Um, you, you get, you're gone. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> that's your first tendency is like, I'm going to go kill this person. Right? Yeah. So right? it's re- it's, it's really tricky and it's the failure rate of this is seriously high because you can't expect a parent to be like, just act like everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Ideally you would act, you'd say, I believe you. Um, I'm so glad you told me you did the right thing by telling me and you're safe. And is there, is there anything more? So this is all, all of these stages are super important. I believe you regardless of whether you do or not, mm-hmm. you do not question. And it's not about you at this point. It's not, you are not required to believe at all. It's got nothing to do with your belief in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just make you, it a safe environment. Yeah, it yeah, just make it a safe, calm, don't get angry if you can, because usually predators will say, um, I'm gonna get into trouble if you tell, you're gonna get into trouble if you tell, um, all of that. So just you're conf- manipulation. You're confirming their worst fears. Um, and also a lot of victims um or survivors say that coming forward was more traumatic than the actual abuse yeah. because, because of how it was handled. And that is one area that we have control over as, as parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the third part of that is how you question. Say, did this happen at your dad's house? Did this happen at, at soccer? Was it this? Did they do that to you? You're actually changing their memories. And this is really important because forensic investigators with kids have to question in a very specific way. Because if you ask these leading questions, like uh, that can, yeah, were you at your dad's? Yeah. Yeah, I was at my dad's. Was it so-and-so that did this to you? Yeah, that's who it was. You know, it's like literally changing their memory as you go. So it just has to be, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Okay. Let them tell you what happened. Yes. Don't try and guess what is, happened. Is there any, yeah, is there anything else you want to tell me? Tell me more. And you're going to want to go, and they're not going to give you everything right away, and that's fine. You then, when everybody's safe and calm, you go and you write every single thing that they said down, everything that you said down. And then you go and get help immediately because, and it's, I'm not talking about calling, you know, your cousin and your, your mother-in-law or like, do this is not a family issue this is your child's private issue that has happened and you need to get professional help not we're going to get the whole family involved and i don't care what your family says Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's and it's too it's too personal the child may not want anybody to know ever right and you've just immediately violated them by telling everybody that was a very personal thing and they came to you to be safe you keep it to yourself yeah 
and a therapist who knows what they're doing. Your, your family, unless they unless you have a, a sexual trauma therapist in your family who will tell you, this is not for me to deal with. We need to get you with somebody else because I'm too close to the situation. Mm. So everybody wants to do that. They need to come and call advice from their family. And then you've got this whole big mess and somebody's threatening to run down and kill the guy. And yeah, then the daughter, son feels guilt, trauma. shame. And yeah. Like, and then, the, then the trauma starts spinning. Yeah. Wow. So <clears throat> like, what do you think like the global impact is with like pornography? <sighs> um, this is, uh, it's glo a global impact. Um, you know, it's, it's hard because it's, you know, in say India, you can go to your corner store. India's got a massive rape culture right now that they're dealing with. And I actually have, it's funny when I started doing the work that I'm doing, I didn't expect like people from India, women from India started reaching out to me. And I'm like, you know, I thought I was immediately like, no, you can't have my bank account information. Like <laughs> I was, you know, I, I didn't think that it was serious. I thought yeah. they were just like stirring stuff on, on the internet. Um, but you can go to the local uh, store in India and buy videos of the local girls being raped. What the? F it is that bad. Um, so there's that. You know, um, and it's the the, pro, the the larger issue with pornography, say, outside of a situation, like in third world countries, we it's a there's all kinds of other issues going on there, right? Um, but in in their first world country, we have kids primarily being exposed to violent pornography, and everybody's like, oh yeah, but I you know I looked at my dad's Playboys and and I'm there's a complete and I, i'm not i'm not saying that playboy is a good thing i'm not you know i'm not advocating that that's right if if it hadn't has started with playboy then we wouldn't be where we're at now but um that being said violent choking out brutal torturous rape scenes is a completely different deal than a picture of a nude person even though they're being sexualized do you see what yeah. I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Like that's like porn is just a fantasy. And when you put like rape scenes and choking and all that other stuff, like what does a teenage boy think that is? Like a teenage yeah. boy thinks that's real. And then just, oh my God. Well, you know, it's even worse than that. The, there's with the free, with the internet. I mean, kids is five and potentially younger being shown by their cousins. And I think there yeah. was, there was something on, um, uh, TikTok, like somebody had shot themselves on TikTok or some, I don't, I don't know if it was TikTok, something like that. So there was this uh, trend of people, older siblings showing their younger siblings, this guy blowing his head off with a gun, committing suicide and videoing their face, what their the kid's face as they watched, watched it, you know, it, just like the older kids have, they have no, they have no idea the implications of what they're doing. Yeah. That. And they're, they're numb, numb to what's going on anyways. They have no idea. The frontal lobes are not there yet. Um, but yeah, you have kids getting sex ed in the form of rape. It's like violent rape. 80% of pornography 
is physical um, abuse against women. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it's just such a weird time because there was this whole like feminist and I don't, I don't call myself a feminist because there's all kinds of bits of it that don't fall into my paradigm, but mm -hmm. um, to be a woman and have this equality stuff going on and then also have pornography being like this like undertow everybody like everybody's watching pornography all the kids are watching pornography and I, I actually talked I interviewed this young um lady about it and I was like so do kids watch pornography she's in junior high and she's like of course and I said don't you I was like do you think that's weird and she was like no it's normal everybody does it and I said don't you think it's weird that people are watching other people have sex instead of actually trying to have sex and she got quiet and she was like, oh, like, yeah, it's, I think we've gone this, it's like this massive swing of kids are having premarital sex, you know, every mm. this kind of puritanical view of that and, and STDs and uh, pregnancy. And this view of kids not actually physically having sex was the preferred, what we preferred. And now that's actually happening. Teen pregnancies are down, kids are like waiting a lot longer to get married um, mm -hmm. or even have boyfriends or girlfriends and they're waiting a lot longer to actually be sexually intimate, which I don't think is a good thing. You... It's okay. No, no, I don't think it's a good thing because there's the, there's the flip side to that is are, are they participating in sexual things? It's voyeurism. They're taking okay. voyeurism on as their preferred sexual. Gotcha. Um, you know, and it's, they are being sexual with themselves and like nothing against masturbation, but it should be also equally tied to physical wantings and intimacy of other people. Like it's a God-given right for humans to be sexual. And when you are masturbating, like you think it's a fantasy, so your brain doesn't know the difference between what's right. real and fake. So when you actually go into the act and you're a 14 year old boy going to be a 22 year old man or whatever, like, what are you going to do to your partner? Well, there's all, I mean, there's all kinds of statistics about the increase of girls. And I think some boys going to ER with their bodies being ripped because either extreme sex has been put on them or they're trying it out and not knowing how. And it's, and I, I don't mean to, BSDM is, is BSDM? I always get my acronyms yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is, I'm not saying anything like some people, that's their jam. Mm -hmm. But that is, that is a very advanced way of sexual exploration. And yes. everybody, you know, everybody's got their kink situations going on. And that's like, what, I don't care what people do as long as it's consensual and it's done and like, and it's your own. Mm -hmm. it's authentic if you figure out that you like to be tied up with your this person that you love and you feel safe and this is your kooky kinky thing that you do and you get off on it that's awesome if you figured it out by being like wow I really like this person and we like slowly discovered this thing and it's our thing that we share together rather yeah. than I'm being taught that this is the way to do it right it's not it's not their sexuality yeah they're, they're just, it's, um, 
it's like through osmosis, you know, they're watching it and being like, oh yeah, you know, I got to have to choke my girl out in order to get off. And this is what we do now. Now that is, that is a niche kink. And that's kind of like. The norm. It's totally norm. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Whereas it's, it, there's so many, there's so many other facets to sexuality than that. And I, like, again, like I said, I, people do that and that's fine. And the adults who do it, who are responsible, who came to that on their own are, um, it's a pretty sophisticated, I'm not saying it's like in like putting it on a pedestal, but it's, it's not, it's not your first, it's not your first go. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're not <laughs> like what 17 year old is like tying people up like in a, it's not, yeah. I understand what you're saying. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something that you should find on your own if that's your thing. And statistically that thing authentically for people is a very, 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 very small amount of people. Mm -hmm. But now it's being portrayed as the norm. So it's like, that's, yeah. I, that, that's the one of the biggest impacts. There's another, you know, uh, in the courts, if you're having, uh, you know, BSDM sacks or whatever, and a girl, you choke somebody out and they die in courts, it was an accident. What? It can be proved as an accident. Cause that's the kind of sex you were having. It was obviously rough sex gone wrong. Wow. Yeah. And it was, I mean, in the, in the UK, there was a case of this guy had done it a couple of times. And finally the courts were like, no, this is unexcusable. This is not an accident. You're, you're killing people. Yeah. Holy. That's the blur. That's how blurry the lines are. <laughs> and I don't mean, it's like not to be this prudent person, but, um, there's a reason why those things were considered taboo. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's like re really on the fringe of killing people. Like wow. you're pretending like you're killing somebody. Yeah. Uh, no, I, that's, and then it, some people are. Yeah. And they le legitimately are like, how is that hot? Right. Like, it's like sadomastic um, offenders even say that, you know, they go through this process of um, where people experiencing pain, sadomastic is when it's a turn on pain. Pain mm -hmm. is part of the sexual pleasure for them. And a lot of them will say, you know, it didn't happen at first. They knew that they were hurting somebody and it just got to where they had to convince themselves that that was what the person wanted mm. um, until the, the aspect of hurt it, like them showing pain was what turned them on. But they mm. even say it was like, a, it was a process that they had to get there. It just didn't happen overnight. Yeah. And so they trained their brain, they trained their body to become turned on by the pain because pain was happening because they were a violent rapist. And they're like, and then it got to where the pain piece was what turned them on. Wow. And we expose ourselves to pornography like that. We are training our brains. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, there's, there's studies of, uh, I, I've got to figure out, I got to look up who, who did this, but, um, they had an experiment where they had rats and when they were uh, mating, they would expose them to smell to see if they could, you know, prove or disprove, you know, that there could be this transfer of arousal mm -hmm. and they got to where the rats were attracted to the scent of lemon. Okay. 
So they they switched it over. And anytime there was the scent of lemon, like these rats were wanting to mate and like kind of humping on whatever, whatever rats do to show, you know? Um, And then they were like, okay, well, that lemon is a pleasant smell. So of course, like it's not that far off, right? Um, So they said, what if we get the smell of rotting flesh or um, decay, a decay of another rat? Yeah and have them exposed to that at the same time that they're, you know, mating and sexual. And they got them to where they were attracted to the smell of dead rat. Oh, no way. Just to kind of prove that you can alter their sexual preference. Yeah. It's training and we're training our bodies. That that is kind of disgusting. That is really disgusting. I, yeah, and if you masturbate enough to uh, somebody being choked out and violent rape scenes, which you actually don't know if they're real rape scenes or not, there's no way to prove that that is a consensual act. Yeah, you're um, not in the studio with it or whatever. Like, Yeah, exactly. You don't know dr- how many drugs. And if you turn the sound off to any porn that is violent and take out the ums and ahs and whatever noises is going on, it is pure pain. You can mm-hmm. see pain in their face. Mm-hmm. And um, if you wouldn't want that done to your body um, I'm, and it might, it would be painful for you. I'm pretty sure it'd be painful f- for other people too. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> absolutely. I digress. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so Emily, if they want to, if like my audience wants to like learn more about you and the mission that you're on, like where can people find you on the internet? How to Raise a Maverick is kind of the hub that that was my podcast. Um, and that's where, you know, my Instagram feed and there's a couple uh, downloads. If you have kids to kind of figure out, you know, we were talking about indications of sexual abuse or something mm-hmm. like that. One of them is people get really freaked out about kids' sexual behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and kids are sexual, like humans are sexual beings. So knowing when something is a sign of abuse or potentially a sign that they've been exposed to pornography or if this is totally normal behavior. I have a kind of a quick sheet for that. And then I have a, um, like a, a kind of a quick guide on how to lock down your devices and just go through a checklist of the parental controls, yeah. how to keep the whole world out of your, away from your kid, yeah. <laughs> ideally. Okay. So I got one last question for you. Yes. Emily, what is your message to the world? Oh, um, you should have given me some lead up time to this. <laughs> um, and is, is this supposed to be business or can I? You say whatever whole, you want. My whole jam is to protect kids from sexual abuse. So yeah. my, um, my message to the world is um, to... I want people to understand or that sexuality is the one of the most powerful things that we have as humans and it's it's the most easily manipulated and if it's used in the right way it's I mean we create other human beings with it like sex is completely sexuality is completely underestimated mm-hmm. it, for good and for bad in, um, yeah, I guess 
that's it today. I might be tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. I love it. In that same vein, but like maybe worded differently. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for your time, Emily. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on.